the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, May the 12th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 12, 1949, the Soviet Union lifted the Berlin blockade that Western powers had succeeded in circumventing with the Berlin airlift. Today in 1943, during World War II, Axis forces in North Africa surrendered. Today in 1955, Manhattan's last elevated rail line was taken down. 1955, everything went underground. Today in 1970, the Senate voted unanimously to confirm Harry Blackman as a Supreme Court justice. Today in 1982, in Fatima, Portugal, security guards overpowered a Spanish priest. He was armed with a bayonet. He was trying to attack Pope John Paul II. Today in 1997, Australian Susie Moroni, she became the first woman to swim from Cuba to Florida. She covered the 118-mile distance in 24 and a half hours. She can have it. (laughs) I have never had any inclination to want to swim from Cuba to Florida or any across the Columbia or anything else. Today in 2008, a devastating earthquake in China, 7.9 magnitude, killed about 87,000 people as best they could tell. One year ago today, House Democrats unveiled a coronavirus aid package. It totaled about $3 trillion, including nearly $1 trillion for states and cities to avert layoffs and a fresh round of direct cash aid to American households. While this cash was helpful to a lot of people, however, it's now created a problem. People don't want to work. I'm sure you've heard that if you've paid attention to the news or heard any parts of the news. People are declining to go to work. They say, I don't, I don't want to go to work. I can make more money staying home, getting my checks, that have continued than going to work for 15 or $18 an hour or 20 whatever it happens to be. So now they're trying to incentivize people to go to work and get off the government uh, payments, and they don't want to do it. Very interesting. There's much more I could say about that, but perhaps at a different time. In Exodus chapter 23, the Bible says, But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. God will support us as we stand for godly principles and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that's politically incorrect, hardly acceptable in today's environment, but it's true. 
I'm sure you're aware that bombs and rockets are flying in the Middle East again overnight, more bombing. Critics are writing scathing articles against Israel in favor of the Palestinians. In fact, there are several stories out there this morning that are outlining and kind of, in fact, there's some pictures of a fire burning on the Temple Mount. And the pictures with the stories, very anti-Israel stories, they're reporting how people, Israelis, are dancing as the Temple Mount is burning. That's a false story. It's shocking, but it simply isn't exactly what's happening. It's partially true. And those are the worst kinds of lies, the ones that have a thread of truth in them. Fake news has spread around the world on social media. The lie is that Israelis are dancing and cheering because a mosque has been bombed. And there's a parallel story that says because there are some Israelis who do not like Israel, just as there are people here in America who hate America, we hear from them often. Neither is true. What has happened there in the context of what is escalating as we speak is that there is a tree on fire on the Temple Mount because Palestinian protesters threw firecrackers into the tree and it was dry and it caught fire. The singing and dancing is celebrating Jerusalem Day, which always ends at the Western Wall. That's what's going on in that respect, and yet that story is being hyped above the battle, the rocket battle that's going on between Israel and Hamas over in Gaza. I tell you, you just can't you just don't want to believe what you read in social media or in the newspapers. Social media posts are pointed, I pointed out that primarily young, white-shirted, religious nationalists have been celebrating this day. And in that context, they're one saying that some of them hate their country, and I'm sure there are people in Israel who do. I don't know why they would live there. I don't know why people stay in America if they hate America, and they do. But that they hate their country. There are others that are writing stories today that they are far right, much like Trump people in America. And then there are others that are saying they're celebrating the bombing of a mosque, trying to stir up more um, anger and more re reaction between the Jews and the Muslims. But there is, there is a battle, that's for sure, it's, and it's escalating. The commanders of the, um, of the, I guess you would say Hamas, but there, there's a connection there between Hamas and the government the Palestinian leadership. But Israel decided that they had gone far enough 
they were organizing for military action, and so Israel did what Israel does. It protected itself. Several commanders were killed in this effort uh, beginning yesterday and overnight and early this morning. It carried, Israel carried out this series of targeted attacks in Gaza City and a couple of other places there. They eliminated several senior members of Hamas general staff. They were considered close to the head of the group's military wing, this Mohammed Deef, and they were his people. They were doing his command, of course. The dead men are identified this morning. I'm not going to go through their names, but one of them was the head of the Gaza City Brigade. The other is the head of the Cyber Network and Missile Improvement Project. And the other was the right-hand man, like the guy standing by in case something would happen to Deef and um, the central leader of the group's um, efforts to improve its military capabilities. So those are the people that the Jewish people that Israel took out. Now this morning what's happening is that the Turkish president Erdogan and Russia's Vladimir Putin have been on the phone this morning and they're discussing in this phone call the tensions between Gaza and Jerusalem and Turkey's president Erdogan is saying that his administration is seeking international action against Israel as we speak. That's this morning. Israel, they say, carried out hundreds of airstrikes in Gaza through this morning. They expect more. As the Islamist group Hamas and other Palestinian militants fired back trying to protect themselves from Israel. These are the words of international news. At least 35 people were killed. They don't know how many, but they know of 35. Erdogan told Putin this morning that the international community must, they must, we must, he said, teach a deterrent lesson to Israel. He added that his administration, Turkey, is working to mobilize the country or the nation, the world against the nation of Israel. He said he's calling for this work to be done. He's contacting the international community and the international community must place peacekeepers in Israel in order for there to be peace there. That is Turkey and Russia their conversation this morning as we were getting up to go about our day. So it's interesting how all this is happening. It will be these kinds of conditions. I'm not saying this is it. I'm just saying it will be these kinds of conditions where the world will blow up in response to biblical prophecy. It is predicted that war will erupt, as you know, in the Middle East, and it will start something much like what we're seeing today. Now, will this continue to escalate? Will the world be drawn into it? I don't know. But Erdogan is working to bring the world into it and teach Israel a lesson. 
a deterrent lesson so that you they never, ever, ever think of doing this again. What were they doing? They were defending themselves against a growing threat from Palestine, Hamas in particular. This is no question in my mind the conditions that will exist when Christ returns. And I think that we're living in the last days. I truly do. There's just no question about it. As we see the attack on Israel, the attacks on Israel, just the concerted, the hyper effort to destroy it, to wipe them off the face of the earth. That's a phrase they use often in Islamic nations. Iran says that repeatedly, that their goal is to wipe Israel off the map. They're the little Satan. America is the big Satan. The problem with that is that America, the big Satan now, doesn't have a leader that really represents what we stand for. Joe Biden does not like Israel. Neither did Barack Obama. In fact, some close to those people and close to the situation say they hate Israel. I don't know, but I've, there, it's been said that they do, but I can tell you their policies do not support Israel any more than Jimmy Carter's did. And this world that we live in today is looking more and more like the years of Jimmy Carter, isn't it? All that's going on today. We'll be talking about that maybe more this week. But I want to talk to you for a moment this morning about the Lutheran Church. I have quite a few friends who are in the Lutheran Church. It's a sign of the times. Again, war in the Middle East and a cultural war that is destroying the foundations of America and now in the church. We've been hearing a lot about the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church. They're going to split. They've agreed to do that over the issue of homosexuality. There's a part of the Methodist Church that wants to ordain and have begun ordaining gays and lesbians and transgenders and bisexuals and God help us. Well, now the Lutheran Church, the ECLA, have elected their first transgender bishop. That caught my attention because I have a relationship and have had over the years, not so much now. I'm not as active as I once was running all over the place doing stuff, but we're here every morning. We're live. We originate live. And thank you for your support, by the way. it's um, We couldn't and wouldn't be here without it. Our address, in fact, is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. You can contribute online as well. But I've spoken in several, not lots, but several ECLA churches, Lutheran churches, over the years, had a good relationship with a number of pastors. I like them. They're good guys. But the Lutheran church, the ECLA, took a left turn here a while back, and it's created a lot of problems, concerns for pastors who hold to biblical teaching, and there are some. As I said, I've been a guest speaker in several churches, uh, ECLA churches, and they asked me to come back. So, and I didn't change my message. So you know what they were, where they were coming from. 
But anyway, this Lutheran pastor from California was elected bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the ELCA, on Saturday, just last Saturday, becoming the first transgender person to serve as bishop in a major Christian denomination in the U.S. Reverend Dr. Rohr says, that's the new bishop, Dr. Rohr says, it's an honor to serve. Lutherans have once again declared that transgender people are beautiful children of God. Thank you to everyone who has been praying for me and my family as I accept this call. How should biblical Christians be praying for him who calls himself a her, Megan, now? Dr. Megan Rohrer has been pastor of Grace Lutheran Church in San Francisco and He's also been, calling himself she, a community chaplain, coordinator for the San Francisco Police Department, now elevated to bishop. Became the first transgender person to be ordained in the Lutheran Church, 2006. Now the first transgender to become a bishop. Rohrer will oversee 180 congregations in Northern California and Northern Nevada, which represents about 36,000 individual members. The ECLA statement claims they have nearly 3.3 million members in more than 8,900 churches across the 50 states of the Caribbean area. They're known, they say, as the church of, quote, God's work, our hands. And they say that the ECLA's roots are in the writings of the German church reformer Martin Luther. I want to talk to you a little bit about God's work in the context of what the Lutheran, the ELCA, has decided to do. They emphasize the saving grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, unity among Christians and service in the world. As I said, over the years, I've been a guest speaker and I preached the gospel that I know to preach, biblical gospel, and was invited back. But all the churches would not have been as accepting of old Gary as these were, in fact, there's a growing number within that, and I know there are people who listen to this program and read the article that we publish every day who are Lutheran. In fact, I've heard from some of you. I want to point this out because it's, it's, a, it's a profile of what's happening in our culture today. In 2017, Cosmopolitan Magazine published an interview with this newly appointed pastor, Megan Rohr, who's a man who claims to be a woman, Talking about the transgender minister, Cosmopolitan magazine, of course, is far, far left. It's a secular take on everything, particularly this type of subject. But Rohr told Cosmopolitan in that interview back in 2017, I'm a pastor, I'm a parent, I'm transgender, I am a work in progress. Rohr told Cosmopolitan that they, that's Rohr's preferred pronoun, grew up in a heavily Lutheran community in South Dakota, was constantly harassed, but despite the hatred, found a way to rise above and use faith as a source of love and acceptance, did not did a lot of studying, did not was not deterred by the criticism of his chosen lifestyle. He didn't say that, I said the chosen part, and ended up becoming a pastor. Rohr says, quote, I was just trying to vocalize what I knew in my gut was okay. 
He knew in his gut that being a transgender was okay, so he went ahead with that and became a minister. And now is just completing his doctoral thesis in theology. Our gut or our heart is deceptive. We have moved in our culture and in the church from a basis, a foundation of truth based on God's word to our gut, the gut feeling. I use that phrase. I understand what this person was saying. But I think we should understand what that means, particularly in the context of the church. The church should not be operating on Megan Rohrer's gut feeling. But the Lutheran church has chosen to do that in placing him, her, as a bishop. God is not pleased with that. Our gut, or our heart, is deceptive. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Interestingly enough, we hear that verse often. I did growing up. It's, it's a powerful verse. But the next verse, verse 13, says, Even in laughter the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. That defines the so-called gay movement in America. It's a way that seemeth right to the gut because their passions have drawn them that way, and they have not resisted that. I understand I understand there are some psychological issues, but I will tell you there's not a shred of evidence, biologically, scientifically, that has ever been uncovered, because if it were, it would be the headline of every newspaper around the world, that you are born that way. You are not. We are born in sin, and we are bent toward sin. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. But he did not die on the cross and was resurrected from the dead so that he could affirm our sin, whatever that sin happens to be. And the Bible is very clear about this kind of sin, homosexuality. It's very clear. And for us to say, because I have this gut feeling that I'm okay because I'm transgender, you're not okay any more than anyone else is okay in their sin. That's why Christ died. For God so loved the world, he loves you. But he doesn't affirm your sin because he hates the sin, the sin that his son Jesus Christ died for. How in the world can a church of Jesus Christ, the Lutheran church, or any other church, the United Methodists, How can they come to a point where they're operating on the gut feeling of a transgender? Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. It's amazing. The Bible is clear. There's a way that seems right to to a man, but the end of it is destruction. The Bible is also clear that God created male and female, and God is not the author of confusion. Satan is the father of lies and confusion. In fact, God created male and female in his likeness and his image. Rohr also told the cosmopolitan, quote, using faith to tear other people down is not good news. We need to be as loud and as angry as the people who want to declare that there are no, there are types of people that God can't love. 
what he's telling them and their publishing is that they're people who do not agree or do not affirm that kind of a lifestyle, even in ministry leadership, is saying that there are types of people that God doesn't love. He's trying to put the onus on God, saying God is selective in his love. That is so anti-Bible, it's pathetic that that would come out of the mouth of anybody who's studied theology or read the Bible. The Bible is full of verses and, and words and truth that says God loves you the way you are. All of us are loved by God. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us need a Savior. God isn't selective. It's our choice whether we accept him or reject him. And this man, calling himself a woman, is rejecting Almighty God himself. And so is the church that put him in the place of a bishop. Megan Rohrer needs help, not greater spiritual leadership opportunities. And he who thinks he's she does not need to be in Christian leadership. Jesus Christ himself, Matthew 5, chapter 5, said, Disregard them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Isaiah talked about, about blind. He said, For those who guide this people mislead them, and those who mislead are swallowed up. Matthew chapter 23, verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. Blind guides! Luke chapter 6. Jesus told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? And on and on. The blind, blind cannot lead the blind. That's why pastors must show themselves approved. Unto God, their understanding of the word. And they're not following in the teaching of Martin Luther. Martin Luther said God, in, in Luther's large catechism, he said God has established it, marriage, before everything else, and therefore created man and woman differently, as our eyes prove. He said not to commit knavery, but to stay together, to be fruitful, beget children, feed and Raise them in the honor of God. This is Martin Luther. Therefore, God has most richly blessed it more than other estates. Thus, marital life is no jest or presumption, but a serious thing and a matter of godly seriousness. For to him all power lies in it. When one raises people that serve the world and promote it in God's knowledge, blessed life and in all virtue and in fighting against wickedness and the devil. He went on to say it's not a free choice or decision, but an essential and natural thing, that whenever whatever is a man must have a woman, and whatever is a woman must have a man. It's not a command, but more than a command, namely a divine ordinance, which is not our business to hinder or ignore. And he goes on and on and on about that. He writes about that. And yet they claim to be rooted. Those, these are their words. They claim to be rooted in the teaching of Martin Luther. No, they're not. Not at all. Paul wrote to the Romans, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To my Lutheran friends, this is not that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Gender dysphoria is neither good, acceptable, nor perfect in God's mind. These people need help, not leadership. Well, thanks for being with me today. We'll see you right here tomorrow.